Welcome to the Midwest Nice Podcast, the show with honest political discourse dipped in ranch. This is your host, John Flynn, and today I'm joined by Amy Lipka, Lauren Kaufman, and Mariel Brown Fallon. Keep your accent strong and the Coney Dog close by because you're going to need it. Let's get the show started. You look uh, upset by whatever it is you're reading there on your phone. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm paying attention. What are you reading? What a way to open the show. The listeners <laughs> want to know. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Sips tea? <laughs> Sips tea. Okay, everybody was just making fun of me because I was just discussing with them ASMR and what it is because I'm thinking about it because we have these really nice microphones. But we only it's because we only you are chewing ice into the microphone <laughs> and I hated it. I only brought it up because you make so much noise every time. Yeah. You're these always are banging on the desk. <laughs> clinking my, gla- clinking clinking things my glass. Clinking my glass. So for the folks at home um, mm. who weren't just Googling this on their phones, Thanks, Mariel. Mm. Um, it's ASMR is autonomous sensory meridian response, and the only thing that I can think of, it's like nails on the chalkboard. No, no. See, it's opposite of nails on I the chalkboard. Think it it's like a good nails on the chalkboard. School us all, Mariel. Like I said, don't speak for my community of us. <laughs> we exist on YouTube. There are probably millions of us. Um, but maybe it's just like the same 10 people this that give these videos millions of, of views. They might be the biggest videos on YouTube. <laughs> this reminds they me of the Arrested Development, Tobias, being like, there are dozens <laughs> of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but in all seriousness. It's never nudes are in ASMR. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> ASMR is a thing. It's, long story short, it's like an offshoot of meditation and mindfulness. And basically, it's if you can get into this space you hear specific noises that are also called triggers and they can make this deep sense of like relaxation and calmness wash over you and it's a method of like relaxing and calming down that a lot of people are using including myself i love it many and people many people a- are telling me they're using asm <laughs> artists are actually Examples what they're called include bob ross mm-hmm. teachers hairdressers mm-hmm. clinicians unboxing videos and expert demonstrations mm-hmm. you if you like to watch videos of small children playing with or unboxing toys that counts as an asmr video okay i don't like your tone that you're striking <laughs> right now and i just want to say that um personally i didn't know what asmr was i always was like hey guys do you get that really nice feeling when you go to the doctor? And they were all like, uh, <laughs> wait, what? what? <laughs> uh, anyways, so this show Are is, you in a cult? <laughs> this show is called no. Midwest Nice, and we're actually, for those tuning in, we're a show that talks about politics yeah, sorry. in the Midwest. Are not, we? I not still? Not I about YouTube I just, ASMR videos. I think politics can be very stressful, so if you like to fold origami to unwind, that's probably a good way of relieving some stress. Great so, segue, Lauren. That's thank good. you. Make some origami. Listen to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so yeah, we're back after a quick two-week hiatus. Uh, the reason for that is two week, we usually do these on Mondays after work. Two weeks ago, I was at the dentist uh, getting some work done, and then... I did really want to do it anyway and just have John okay. be under the influence yeah. of and whatever, s- yeah. <laughs> yes. whatever you took. And then last week, uh, just uh, had some stuff to get done before uh, I took a trip uh, to a conference in San Francisco. 
and uh, well, we're not good enough. You got to leave us for San Francisco, whatever. Yeah. it's not in the Midwest, in case well, anyone anyway. was wondering. So it was my first, ex- like I think, real experience amongst the coastal elites. Mm. Um, mm. And it really, like, I get it. I get it now that I've seen it. It was just like Do you that's identify? like a deep dive. Yeah. That's like <laughs> a you're going straight to the wolves I in t- San Francisco. I took a hike like along you know the shoreline towards the Golden Gate Bridge, and it was just mile after mile of beautiful in shape people like joyfully tossing their children in the air <laughs> smiling tilting, eating salads tilting their heads back laughing and drinking mimosas and you know what i get it you had to come back to the rust belt <laughs> i get why people in those areas don't understand what what the world is and why they wouldn't want to leave hey, hey john john would you say you left your heart in san francisco oh Hold on. Did you already have it? Are you going to YouTube that really quick? Should everyone a joke? Uh, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying <laughs> to find the... Uh, Please hold for the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> Please hold for the punchline. Uh, I was trying to find the... John, oh, oh here it is. I could pull Tony Bennett faster than this. Yeah, so, I was okay, just trying there, to find the button. That's all you That's, were trying yeah, to find. <laughs> I thought you were finding like a really niche-specific thing that responded to what Lauren No, said. it was just the... Yeah. Now you have to do it like five times in a row. Get worth it. Should we get into it? Yeah, anyways... Uh, the podcast. The podcast. Anyway, San Francisco's fine, but the Midwest is better. Mm. So. Right. I that's think that's what we all got from that experience. <laughs> yeah, that's what I took. That's what, well, you, you three were here. We okay. were. Granted, it was like the we same, were not with you. It was like the same temperature here as it was over there. It's like seventies and sunny. If only that were the case year round. Mm. Mm. If only. Someday, global climate change. Oh. We'll be growing oranges, <laughs> Michigan. Um. Yeah. Am I happy speaking or am of, I sad? <laughs> speaking of the Midwest, uh, first thing I wanted to talk about, this article I read on the Daily Beast um, about how, well, the title of the article is, The Midwest is Booming, Just Not Where You Think. Um, so ba- the, the meat of the article is that uh, there's a lot of growth, especially with younger people, that's happening in cities in the Midwest, but it's not exactly where you think. It's in a lot of um, what they're calling, what are they calling them? comeback cities like uh, Kansas City, Minneapolis, Indianapolis, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Um, They've actually had the fastest growth of any city in the Midwest, um, even more so than places like Detroit, Cleveland, um, Buffalo, uh, and even Chicago, other places that are having some growth. And they're really um, have been outperforming the past couple of years. The superstar cities is how they call them you know places like san francisco and brooklyn and uh places like that have actually have had their slowest growth or some i think brooklyn they said was even on decline for the first time in a long time um and so yeah i thought it was really interesting um the point one of the points that they're making about it is that you know obviously the bigger and especially the superstar cities are really pricing people out especially in our age group so if you do you know, if you're interested in buying your own home or starting a business or things like that, it's so much, there's so much more opportunity in these up and coming cities. And I mean, places like, I, I don't have experience with all of these, um, but I know Grand Rapids really well. And it's just, you know, it's a really great city. And it is, you do get that sense of like, everything's changing and like growing really fast. And it seems like, like I personally know a couple of people who are my age who like have started their own businesses there that are doing pretty well. Um, and yeah, so I thought, uh, this was a good, good topic of discussion. Yeah. This article was interesting for me to read because they kind of go through like what 
is normally expected of like every generation of like you know going to the big cities to get jobs and normally those are the same big cities where there are a lot of people and a lot of things happening and now that millennials have you know student debt and have a hard time getting good paying jobs and all of those things then we're kind of seeking out like alternative places like that so you have places like Grand Rapids that Mm -hmm. are up and coming and that have a lot of things going on but are a little bit more affordable you don't have to you know save for 30 years in order to get a down payment and things like that Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that I touched on this definitely last episode whenever we were talking about like the exodus of people from the Midwest to the Midwest, whatever we were talking about. And I think that, yeah, as you were said, saying like student loans um, and thinking about jobs and thinking about, you know, if you ever wanted to buy a home, I think that before people would say, you know, I want to move to New York or I want to move to San Francisco and, you know, I'll figure it out from there. But I think what we're seeing is kind of a reversal of that for a lot of folks because um, the unfortunate you know, reality of debt and other things is making people have to take more calculated uh, risks and decisions. And sometimes that means moving to a place that's not New York, but that's a place like, you know, Indianapolis or somewhere that's more affordable and um, making it work there. So I think that it's people getting, uh, I don't know, thrifty or or being most efficient with their money. Yeah, I I think that um, something that we've talked about before is the fact that in the age of the internet and where you can start businesses remotely, Mm -hmm. um, it makes that barrier to job entry a little bit lower. And Mm -hmm. so in the past where maybe you needed to work or live and work in a place like Detroit that had factories or um, some more industrial cities in the Midwest, it makes it a little bit easier if you can work from your computer in Grand Rapids. And I was reading an article the other day, and they specifically called out Minneapolis and Grand Rapids and a few other cities, I think a little bit further west, because of their education systems. And they said that those were really great places for young people because they came from good K-12 education systems, probably had a bunch, of, a bunch of colleges and universities that they could attend, and they could stay in the place where they um, grew up, which helps. Yeah, the article talks, too, about how... Um, so this is mostly talking about these sort of uh, startup kind of cities uh, like Grand Rapids. Um, but the sort of the, the flagship manufacturing cities in the Midwest, you know, Detroit and Chicago, have still, their growth is still a little bit stunted because um, of a few factors, but it's somewhat because of they're coming, becoming more gated because of people who sort of bought up while the buying was good. Mm-hmm. Um, people in, and, you know, people who could afford to stick around while things were bad there. And um, uh, they're increasingly older residents, yeah, that, that bought when the buying was good. And so the housing prices have risen up there, but wages haven't really risen in those cities. Um, and there, there's been job growth too, but it's a lot of it isn't, you know, really, uh, really strong paying jobs. Right. That's kind of like the, the choice of like, yeah, if you move to Chicago or San Francisco or New York, like, can I get a job? Probably. Can I get a job that will allow me to pay my rent? Probably mm-hmm. not. A lot of the people in those, a lot of the growth in those cities too has been, um, will probably have some bad applications or implications going forward when you're talking about a lot of subsidized housing for like students. Like I know even um, 
in like East Lansing here or in Ann Arbor, there's so much housing that's being built that's specific towards students. And it's great for them while they're there, but so many are not gonna, you know, stick around and, um, and grow things like that. Um, and a lot of people, yeah, when they graduate are finding opportunity in the smaller cities, even um, here in Lansing, it seems like things are really starting to grow. And there really is a sense here, you know, I own my own home here and I definitely would not have been able to own my own home anywhere else. And there's a lot of opportunity here for people in our age group to start their own businesses if they want to. There's a lot of open business space and there's a lot of programs to help people with things like that. And so there's, there is a lot of opportunity in smaller growing cities. Yeah. And I think, um, just to speak a little bit about the housing situation in Ann Arbor, um, you know, that's something that I was afraid of after I graduated, they started putting up all these high rises that were mostly, Mm -hmm. um, driven towards students. But I've also had a lot of friends who have stayed after school or who have moved to Ann Arbor since they graduated from college who are living in some of those areas. And, um, some of the tech giants like Google have come in, um, and it's actually had a lot of really great effects of people starting their own smaller businesses that can help service those larger companies, or they start there and they get some training and they start their own places. So I think that we have seen some offshoot growth too, which I hope will not just stay in Ann Arbor, but some of those folks will leave for Detroit and Lansing and Grand Rapids and help to expand those industries too. So I think it can really have um, positive larger effects and help some smaller communities around the state too yeah so in conclusion i was totally wrong about that (laughs) i guess (laughs) it's it's definitely a big concern and i have a lot of friends who are into um like urban development and stuff who are concerned about it and uh, i've also talked to some older folks who are kind of getting priced out of their homes and Mm -hmm. aren't able to find accessible apartments because Mm -hmm. they don't want to live on the 20th floor of a building when Mm -hmm. they um, have trouble walking around so Mm -hmm. i think there are a lot of concerns and people are having trouble buying single-family houses so mm-hmm. um, it definitely depends on the type of community that you want to live in but um, I think that you know there is room for growth and hopefully they can find a way to make it more sustainable one thing that's like I think more specific to Ann Arbor than to like Lansing or Grand Rapids or Detroit is just that there's so many people in such a small area that like a lot of the high-rises that Lauren mentioned like they are being built for students, but they're students whose like parents can afford to right. you know pay two thousand dollars a month yep. for that. So it's not for which like has its own implications that I don't have right. to get into right now. But so there's just not a lot of room for you know businesses to start or for um, single like parents people to have yeah. an apartment. Well, just for their like kid. there's no room to grow really except for upwards and you know getting things that are more expensive. Mm-hmm. So it is a great place for like innovation I think there's a lot going on there especially with the university but it's just getting harder and harder I think for people to for people to stay there yeah and there's I mean even greater contrast with I I said I'm just coming back from San Francisco and I really liked it there the environment and uh there's so much to do there but there was I just watched so much HGTV like I really (laughs) had a sense of when I was walking around it's like how much does that house cost just like these little yeah these sort of crappy small little houses but we're in cool areas like yeah that's probably like two three million (laughs) dollars like it's so insane um and it's getting more and more like there isn't really a foreseeable increase in opportunity out there Mm -hmm. i don't think or it's just going to get more and more divided between like like you you had said um with a lot of the people who can't afford to live there are people who are probably 
you know, getting basically subsidized by their parents or elsewhere, or just, you know, were, were born with money. So they had more economic opportunity period throughout their lives and education and things like that. And so, right. Not a lot of room for like growth. Yeah. It's only gonna probably get worse over there. Whereas, you know, some cities like Grand Rapids here are really cool cities too, but you don't get that same well, the houses are definitely getting more expensive there, but it definitely isn't like out of control, and you, you really do feel like, yeah, I could, you know, really start something or um, buy a house or something like that someday here. Um, just one thing that I wanted to mention quickly that's kind of related um, that we've talked about briefly is like thinking it's important to think about you know places like San Francisco, um, which is like the tech capital of our country, and then you were talking about Ann Arbor, which now houses like an offshoot of Google. Um, you know, we're thinking about, or we have all been kind of watching from afar, like Amazon in the process of picking the location of HQ2. Um, and I think that as they've kind of drawn this process out, um, and we've kind of been waiting and watching more people have kind of looked into it, um, Mm -hmm. and have been like, oh, wait a minute. Like, let's think about what happens if a tech giant comes into our backyard and displaces a lot of, you know, low-wage workers or new Americans or, um, you know, a number of people who have lived here forever and they are then accommodating, you know, um, these tech workers making a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of development that happens. Um, And I'm not sure if everybody is convinced that it's going to happen in the most sustainable way. And so I think that a lot of people are becoming upset about the idea that, you know, yes, HQ2 does sound great, and it's going to create a lot of jobs, but, like, the displacement issues that we are seeing in places like San Francisco and Seattle are, like, really bad, and so I just think that that's something that we should continue to talk about as they, you know, pick the location, because there's also multiple places um, in the Midwest that are under consideration for HQ2. Yeah, and a lot of the things, like, the ways that we're going to get sort of better growth and room for opportunity for people are not going to be glamorous. They're not going to be like big tech giants. Probably they're going to be like social programs and like, you know, more investment in public education. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think it's important that as these companies come into these communities and say, we're going to help with economic development, people are going to be able to get good jobs here. Mm -hmm. We know that they're going to ship a lot of them in. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the people who are coming into management positions are Mm -hmm. going to be people from Seattle, from San Francisco. Um, But they're going to make demands of these communities. In Ann Arbor, uh, Google had a demand that they had to have parking for a certain number of people and that there had to be a certain amount of, I think, housing growth Mm -hmm. for new people who came in the communities should be making demands of these companies too. They should be saying if you need, you know, maybe less skilled workers or you hire entry level people to come in, you know, if you have people who are manning call centers or who are going to be customer service representatives, there should be enough people in those communities when you're choosing them that you can have some of those people come in or have a certain percentage of management come locally. Um, And, have some sort of actual development if you're going to build a new building you hire local workers right so i think it's important that they're both benefiting the communities and the people who live there in a sustainable way right um yeah and i think that we also saw i think it was like last week um senator bernie sanders posted this article on his facebook about how much amazon paid in taxes uh last year i saw that which was nothing which is like 
almost unbelievable. Um, and I think that it's interesting when you see that, you know, the bidding product process that they created in these like places like New Jersey, I think said that, you know, Amazon could come in and they wouldn't have to pay a single dime of taxes for 10 years. And it's like, this is not a sustainable way to integrate this kind of tech giant into your community. They have to be putting money back into the community or else you're just asking for gentrification to become completely out of control. Yeah, they, I know Detroit was in the running for a brief amount of time for the Amazon, uh, the HQ2, and it was a similar sort of thing. They were offering huge tax abatements for them coming in. Um, during sort of the... I guess for me at least the news of them considering Detroit came like really suddenly and so there was like a lot of like excitement and I have a lot of friends who work out in Detroit and yeah it mostly was like the people I knew who already worked like good jobs out there for like Deloitte and like big companies were like excited like oh this other big tech company's coming that's going to mean there's going to be a bunch of new like cool bars and stuff but then <laughs> as it's gone on like Detroit was taken out of the running and so when people have thought about it more it's like yeah, let's look at like what the actual impact of that would be. And even in other cities, like um, some cities around here, they've offered big, you know, tax abatements for developers. And um, I think there's need to think about the implications of those things beforehand. Um, but yeah, that was a great. Uh, I really liked the article, and I thought it was it was something we're talking about. It's uh, it's real close to home here. Um, so let's get back into some trivia. It's uh, Amy's trivia today. Hoping, uh, hoping it's good. I feel like that was a threat. <laughs> <laughs> it better be good. Hope it's good, Amy. It's gonna be bad. Good, <laughs> I'm managing expectations. I um, I haven't been to, to a trivia night in like a week and a half, so I'm feeling a little rusty. Mm. I'm not ready for this. Okay, great. great. So well, too bad. Good vibes great. all around. So maybe it'll be a level <laughs> a level playing field. Yeah. Who knows? All right, so I only have two questions today. Mm. They're very different. I'm just going to get into it. Great. So question one, it's a multiple choice question. Where was, what Midwest town was the ice cream sundae invented? A, Terre Haute, Indiana. B, Evanston, Illinois. C, Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Or D, Plainfield, Illinois. Is it a specific type of sundae or just the ice cream sundae? The or ice does, cream sundae. You know what? That's a stupid question. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to say Evanston, Illinois. I don't know why. Wait, was that the first Illinois or the second one? That was the, the first. first one. Oh, John. So I'm thinking, like, because there's two Illinois, it must be in Illinois. Also, Illinois is, like, randomly the home to so many things. So I'm going to guess the second Illinois. Okay. I'm also going to say Evanston. Okay. Wait, his? Yeah. Okay. First Illinois. So, it was a trick question. All of you are a little bit right. Oh. So, what? there's yeah. like five cities that claim to have invented the ice cream sundae. Wow. You Evans. <laughs> <laughs> you were kind of right. I'm doing the ham horn anyways. <laughs> Evanston, sort of right. Two Rivers, and Plainfield all have claimed to invent to have invented the ice cream sundae and then also buffalo new york and ithaca new york 
also say that they have. Huh. Get out of here. Interesting. Well, isn't it just putting ice cream in a bowl and putting some stuff on a it? A lot of people are. It's very hotly contested, Lauren. Yeah, I yes. feel like a lot of moms can also claim that they invented <laughs> It was definitely a mom, like, way before. <laughs> or it was, it was grandma. Or yeah. a grandma is also so, a mom. There was an article. <laughs> there was, like, an article on The Onion or whatever about... It was like a grandma didn't have the heart to tell her grandkids that it's really not that hard to make lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) The Onion has been fire lately. I also Mm -hmm. just want to say I really appreciate your content, Onion. Sponsor us. Oh, also (laughs) the new Resist Hole. I don't know if anyone's seen that. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, very, very excited. Yeah, it's really Post-Patriot Hole. Yeah. And they, like, insult, like, Patriot Hole. It's, like, the same (laughs) people. It's, like, not, like, that right-wing mag. We'll tweet it. We'll tweet it. Yeah, we'll find I think you're one. in charge yeah. of that. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So, question two. So, I'm going to list seven cities in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Five of them are in the top five most populous. And you guys have to guess which two are not. Okay. Mm. This is as of the 2010 census. So, keep down. that. Okay. I can repeat them. Yeah. Okay. Here two they are. Of the, two of these are not. Right. right. Okay. okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Detroit, Grand Rapids, Ann Arbor, Warren, Flint, Sterling Heights, and Lansing. Hmm. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to read them again. I could have repeated them before you started the music. I like the music. Can you repeat them all? (laughs) Are you going to play it again? (laughs) Okay, here's the list again. Detroit, Grand Rapids, Ann Arbor, Warren, Flint, Sterling Heights, and Lansing. Mariel, are you cheating? No. Just over there on her phone. No, I'm just Kay. Googling something completely. <laughs> <laughs> I was checking my email. I have a, um, one of my clients has an election tomorrow. I can see it's that you're taking time. this very seriously. I am taking yes. this very seriously. <laughs> you I'm not going to look at... Um, all right, uh, I am going to guess Sterling Heights and Ann Arbor. Okay. Mario, read me what you just Googled. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> Google anything. I checked my email. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sterling Heights, because I've never heard of that. But <laughs> I also haven't heard of a lot of things. I didn't realize um, how hard Jerry? this was going to be for you. <laughs> and... anticipation is in our okay i probably knew these circa 2000 mm-hmm. um, well it's based on 2010 but yeah i, I know which okay. is why i don't know them anymore mm. um i'm gonna oh, say gotcha. sterling heights and warren okay you guys ready mm-hmm. so the top five biggest cities in michigan in order detroit mm-hmm. grand rapids warren sterling heights lansing oh uh. i was i got one right but I that got, still means I'm wrong. No, I got, <laughs> I got none right. I knew, I actually, yeah. John, I right. beat you? That's pathetic. For I think it would be I more knew. fun if you guys got them right, but I take pride in making yeah. hard questions. For some reason, I knew that Warren was the third biggest, even though it's not like. What is Warren like? I've it's heard just, nothing It's like about a lot this of place. Southeast Michigan on that list. Yeah. A it lot was a of, big, it's like around Detroit, kind of. And it was a big, like, manufacturing right. hub, so mm-hmm. auto mm-hmm. stuff, so. Yeah, yep. but it's not like a big, you know, like, it's not like high rises and it's not that yeah. kind of city. 
Also, like, I'm sure this is kind of obvious, but the number of people in Detroit and then Grand Rapids, like, there's a huge difference between number one and number two. It's like a 600,000 people yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Good trivia. Good trivia, Amy. Thank you. Yeah. Let's clap. A little golf clap. Please clap. Please clap. Dicks. Just, <laughs> just me doing that, I guess. All right. Uh, let's get into a little bit of local news. Um, yeah, so let's talk about this uh, dumpster fire that is the uh, GOP primary for governor. Um, they had their first debate recently, and they're all, uh, I don't know about equally terrible, because there's definitely one guy that's worse than the rest, but they're all really terrible. Um, yeah, so first up, uh, Bill Schuette has sort of been the front runner. He's the current attorney general under Rick Snyder, also not a very well-liked guy. Um, and he, well, the, the most recent thing, so Brian Kelly is, I guess, like his biggest opponent. He's the current lieutenant governor, and he's been really going for the jugular against Bill Schuette with ads lately. And then during the debate, he attacked him a lot. Um, one of the newest things is uh, Schuette is currently embroiled in this crazy land deal controversy. So, um, Shady Schuette. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Don't explain so, that. So, <laughs> yeah, Brian Kelly, uh, during the debate, accused him of personally controlling the sale of millions of property that he had inherited in the U.S. Virgin Islands. The GOP is wild, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so wild. Yeah. Um, so, Kelly circulated these documents around showing that uh, Shooty, who had said that he had placed all of his assets in a blind trust, meaning, you know, he wasn't supposed to have any control over it or be able to see sort of the transactions uh, handled with it um, was so these documents show that he was using members of his official staff to witness and notarize documents transferring property apparently on state time um, which is super well I mean I don't know how legal it is anymore because uh, the president of the United States does that now, nothing so. matters I just yeah. with as much time as they spent fighting President Obama, I don't know how they had time to also notarize his personal documents. Yeah. So, Boom! <laughs> so Bill Schuette owns three LLCs in the Virgin Islands, which, as everybody knows, when you start a company in uh, the Virgin Islands, it's because, you know, you're not trying to hide anything, right? Right. You just really love spending time there. Yeah. I mean, that's probably also true. I'm yeah, sh- give I mean, the I'm bankers sure a break. They're just, they work hard they for have their billions. They lives. just need a break. <laughs> I mean, yeah, granted, if God. I was, if I was going to like be doing shady real estate deals, it would probably make me nervous to do. I'd rather do it in like a nice area. <laughs> shady, shady. You know, on the beach just with get a, some, like get a massage with, on the beach and with a mojito. Yeah. yeah. Like signing, you know, forging documents or mm-hmm. something or. Uh, not paying taxes, things like that. You heard it here first. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> if John uh, ever goes to the Virgin Islands, we know what he's doing. Yeah, so so Shooty's opponents, his other opponents all you know jumped over the story. Um, another guy running, Patrick Colbeck, said that it appeared that Shooty was running a real estate practice out of the Attorney General's office. And uh, Dr. Jim Hines said Shooty has not only failed to disclose, but he repeatedly lied about this. Um, Bill Schuette has been officially endorsed by Donald Trump, surprisingly, this whole, to no one. This whole race is so weird to me because most of the people running in it are in the current administration, which is not popular. And, like, Callie has been endorsed by Rick Snyder, who is not popular. And then Schuette has been endorsed by Donald Trump, who is also not popular. So yeah. find someone new. Yeah. Find a new person. We've already heard these names before. We don't like them. <laughs> yeah, it's a real who's who of, uh, of 
bed people. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, next, uh, the, the, one of the bigger stories coming out of this is, I have it written down on my, my little note outline here. The headline for this is, Patrick Colbeck, a real piece of shit. Tell me um, more. <laughs> he, uh, he truly is. So, so just to start this off, so to give you a better idea of how bad this guy actually is, um, the Senate leadership removed not only his committee assignments, but his authority to hire staff and spend his office budget because of a bunch of terrible things he was doing. Uh, he held a campaign fundraiser at a gun range, allowing a one-stop shop for supporters to cut a check and fire off a few rounds, uh, something like 50 bucks, and you get you know a box of bullets, and him and his wife were shooting handguns next to him. And a little weird. Um, he sponsored. <laughs> very, he has a brand. Yeah, Republican Party is wild. He recently <laughs> sponsored legislation to make it easier for parents to exempt their kids from being vaccinated for contagious and potentially deadly diseases such as measles and meningitis, and to bar schools from turning away unvaccinated children. And lastly, Fox News host and right-wing political commentator Sean Hannity withdrew his endorsement of Patrick Colbeck because of some uh, conspiracy theory statements about one of his opponents that he talked about recently. So he's so bad that uh, Sean Hannity was like, I need to walk wow. away from this. And I need to walk know, it back. Wow. <laughs> you know, this is the only time I'll say it, but good for Sean Hannity. Yeah. This was the right call. Um, I quote the you on bare that? minimum. <laughs> yeah, so Thanks, re- Sean Hannity. The reason he did, so basically what had happened is that uh, Patrick Colbeck has been spreading a conspiracy theory. There was a video that surfaced of him talking about uh, one of the Democratic candidates, who's uh, Dr. Abdul El-Sayed, and claiming that um, he had links to extremist groups um, and saying, uh, what did he say? His quote was, El Sayed's parents have apparently had ties to the Muslim Brotherhood back in Egypt, Colbeck said in narrating a presentation about alleged Muslim efforts to quietly subvert institutions in the U.S. This is scary stuff. And they're already advertising him as the first Muslim governor. Um, yeah, so he's been spreading... Uh, those rumors also would just like to point out that uh, the Muslim Brotherhood is not listed as you know an extremist organization um, so Kolbeck uh, later admitted that he had made a mistake but only in that he meant to reference El Sayed's in-laws not him uh, he said the jury is still out on his parents uh, when he was pressed about that the next day uh, Kolbeck then apologized for that and apologized for referencing El Sayed's parents but he's since uh, retaken up the stance when talking with more conservative outlets. You're not sorry if you keep doing it. Yeah, it was, it's very Trumpian, like extremely Ugh. Trumpian. So I've heard Gross. other other people like not in Michigan talking about like Sharia law and like Dearborn is already under this and all this, you know, because there's a... People have never been to Dearborn. Be, right, because there's like a large Muslim population there. Definitely not true. It's a great place with great food, but also like Colbeck also said that, and he's he's from here, and it just like he doesn't from, care. He doesn't care to know. He's from Canton. It's yeah. like next door to Dearborn. Well, what's yeah? I'm, he just wants to scare people. Enclaves of that area that I'm sure are afraid of Muslim people. Yeah, it's just. I mean, like, yeah, it's all the people that went out to the Trump rally the other yeah. week. Like that's the that's the folks. It's just like you're so close, and it would be so easy to know the truth, but you just don't care. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very Trumpian. Um, so I would just like to say I was driving down the highway once, and someone with like four Pat Colbeck bumper stickers cut me off. Four, like <laughs> four, four bumper stickers on the That's same dedication. vehicle. Um, so I have had a uh, personal vendetta 
um, since then. And so you're going to stay out of the conversation because yeah. you can't be um, I did also want to bring up, I don't know if everyone saw his campaign logo, um, mm, but NASA. it basically looks like the NASA logo. What? And everything has gone downhill since then. So <laughs> we will look, be sharing this. It looks like why the NASA. Is, yeah, why is there why a spaceship? Except for there's just a big state of Michigan in the middle for of space. For our listeners out there, so Patrick <laughs> Colbeck's logo is like a blue, it's like a planet, well, it's like space, like, and then Michigan <laughs> is in it. it. So we'll it's Michigan it. in outer space. Yeah. And then there's a rocket flying, like, Live a, like a, a NASA shuttle <laughs> Live flying it. over it. And yeah, the logo itself looks like, like the, the typeface looks like the NASA. Fi- yeah. I don't know that's our Twitter login. I'm sorry. So yeah, he's, weird. he's just a giant train wreck. And after all of these things that he said, just a te- terrible person. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. So anyways, uh, so Brian Kelly, like I said, was hitting really hard against shooting this debate. Um, Gotta almost, I don't, you know, I don't really like him, but gotta give him props for how well he has managed to paint Shooty as a real piece of garbage and a just, you know, a ladder climber. Um, so he's accused Shooty of politicizing his investigation into the Flint water crisis. He was quoted as saying, "Bill Shooty will literally do or say anything to get elected." I think he said that during the debate, um, and also accused. Uh, well, Shooty fired back. And said, uh, so this was used as an insult in the Republican debate. Is, you deserted Trump. The president knows who was with him and who was not. Uh, <laughs> and so Kelly, who initially supported uh, John Kasich for president, pointed out that um, Shooty's first pick was Jeb Bush, <laughs> which, which also <laughs> says a lot about his character. Um, and Kelly said, I support the president. His success is our success. I voted for him. So they're all fighting over who loves Trump. Because this is another thing. Imagine that Col- living in that world where you are all, no, I voted for Trump. Yeah, Colbeck was also. I love also, Trump more. Colbeck was saying something along those lines, too, of I'm the only true Trump supporter. Like, I've been with him since the beginning, blah, blah, blah. Um, which might be true, because it does seem like these other guys were uh, more for the other candidates at first and then moved over to Trump once it was a more opportune time it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the general when they're not fighting other republicans because mm-hmm. like i don't know how well i've loved trump this whole time is going to fly for yeah. the rest of the I, state well i wish them all the best of luck with tearing each other apart because it's really, oh yeah that's true it's really been going great yeah for, it's kind of an interesting us. thing because i think uh i think snyder was the only republican who didn't get the right to life endorsement last time so hmm. it'll be interesting to see how this I'm more conservative than you are back and forth, which I guess, depending on which part of the Republican Party you're from, maybe they don't view Trump as conservative enough. Um, But it'll Mm -hmm. be interesting to see how that infighting plays out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. I feel like across the country when after 2016, it seems like Democrats are like, I need to, you know, we need to have the most liberal people Mm -hmm. and conservatives are like, we need to have the most basically Trumpian people. How's that going to work in general? Everyone's running to the outside and mm-hmm. see what happens. Well, it seems like Brian Kelly somehow came out as the winner of this entire... Yeah, it se- from what I've read from a couple articles, it seems like he sort of won the debate, but um, most people are still predicting that Shooty's going to end up as the, the, uh, the candidate for the governor's race, so we'll see what happens. Um, Is that why we think... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to ask, is that why we think Callie's doing all this early? Yeah. Um, he's got to do something. He's the I, underdog. I think he wasn't, you know, he was a lieutenant governor, but he definitely didn't have the recognition of Bill Schuette. 
Yeah. It um, seems like he is kind of playing to that central. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems like a. He might be a nice person. <laughs> so. Controversial statement. <laughs> Here on Midwest nice. I wouldn't hate going to a nonpartisan <laughs> fundraiser with Brian Kelly. Again, you just like that he looks like Niles Crane. <laughs> I <laughs> really love And there's Frasier. nothing else to your endorsement. <laughs> Clear and vivid endorsement of Brian Kelly for governor. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, nicer, <laughs> nicer subject. Let's let's move past the dumpster fire and into some silver linings for the week. Um, so the first one, so actually, it's it's not just you know like a cutesy little article. It's pretty, I think, significant. Um, so yeah, recently the Boy Scouts of America decided to drop "boy" from their name, and they're going to, uh, as an organization, allow girls to join. Um, and so the article is titled uh, Michigan Pack Among the First to Get Female Scouts. Um, Dearborn Pack gets its first female Cub Scouts as uh, the group welcomes girls. So, yeah, they decided to uh, integrate both male and female into the organization. And there's uh, Cub Scout Pack number 112 inducted nine girls as members uh, into the organization at a ceremony Tuesday at the First United Methodist Church on Garrison Street. Um, and that's in Dearborn. Um, yeah, so uh, the reason why PAC uh, 112 uh, was chosen to be one of the early adopters is because for a while they've had a Cub Cadet program, which allowed younger siblings to, you know, check it out, uh, come to come to their events and things like that, and that included uh, girls, and they would be de facto members when they were in. So they decided to use them as early adopters for this. Um, but other PACs across the country have started opening the programs to girls, uh, or they will, starting in June. Um, yeah, I thought it was a it's a pretty cool thing that they're starting to do that. So are we not making the Pawnee goddesses like a nationwide <laughs> no. thing? Unfortunately, no. That's the logical next step, though. Was anybody here a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout? Nope. No, my brother got I enjoy kicked, the cookies a lot. My brother got kicked out of the Boy Scouts after like a couple of months, and my parents didn't like the other parents and so i didn't do it wow we went camping every weekend anyways i didn't really need to like (laughs) well i really didn't i you know it would have like cut into like more hardcore camping basically (laughs) um but i i I appreciate like how much value it brings to people especially a lot of kids who wouldn't normally Mm -hmm. have access or for whatever reason to to enjoy the outdoors i was a girl scout Mm. Um, I got a badge for getting my hair done <laughs> and had to eat lamb. So, uh, my mom was a great troop leader for a year, so that mm-hmm. was super fun. Nice. Um, but not, yeah, not for me. Yeah. Nice. One of the, uh, the parents who I think was a troop leader of this troop, uh, said that, uh, just because the Boy Scouts of America is welcoming girls, it doesn't mean that girls should be dissuaded from joining Girl Scouts as well. Uh, he said that the Girl Scouts a phenomenal program, but he found that his daughter was really getting excited about the things that her brother was getting to do in the Cub Scouts rather than what her friends who were in Girl Scouts were doing. Yeah, when are they changing Girl Scouts and just doing neutral names well, for it, both? So Boy Scouts, I believe, is Scouts BSA mm-hmm. is going to be the new name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it was an interesting – I went to Girl Scout camp for a couple of summers. There's a really great one um, in, like, northwesternish Michigan. Um, and one of the ones that I went to is actually like a tech camp. So they taught mm-hmm. us how to like edit a newsletter on a computer and like mm-hmm. do computer stuff. And it's like 
those things don't necessarily have to be gender gender segregated and there's a lot of mm-hmm. things you know maybe there's a place for having two different types of scouts um one for people who are more outdoorsy and one for people who yeah. like using digital cameras yeah that was so. sort of the, the article talked <laughs> that's the new divide <laughs> the article talked a little bit about this is on the detroit free press by the way but um they talked a little bit about sort of the Girl Scouts statement and like reaction to the the Boy Scouts allowing girls in and stuff. And it was along those same lines and pointing out that, you know, it's different. Um, the programming and stuff that they have is different and it's, you know, it's not outdoor space. So there's a space for um, people to be in both if they want to. Yeah, there's room for cookies and popcorn. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, yeah, the Boy Scouts are really trying to get in on that cookie game. The Girl Scouts are like, "Mm, no. But also, I think just generally it's important that the like so there's Boy Scouts, there's Girl Scouts. And when I was in uh, Vermont, I went to school in Vermont and there's this camp there and it's amazing. And it's called Camp Outright and it's for queer youth. And I think that um, a lot of the kids at that camp um, chose to. Well, I can't say this for sure, but I can imagine that a lot of them would choose to opt out of things like the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts because they felt exclusive. So I think that it's really great that the Boy Scouts are going to just the Scouts because I think that it um, it just allows like kids who are just like kids and shouldn't have like these pre chosen like interests that are lined up lined up for them, like put in front of them in this one specific like gendered troop thing. And mm-hmm. so I just think that it's really important. It, like, warms my heart to think that, like, more kids will have the option of, like, kind of choosing what they want to do rather than just being, like, funneled into one or the other. And, um, yeah, gender's over, people. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so this, uh, this recent uh, change towards um, allowing girls in has come after a string of sort of progressive movements that the Boy Scouts – or the scouts have been making recent in recent years um, that their leadership has basically said, you know, we have to adapt and um, uh, get more kids in the program. And so last year, the uh, scouts announced that they would accept and register transgender youths in this organization. And in 2015, it formally ended its ban on gay leaders, um, scout leaders, things like that. So they've really uh, been making all the right moves lately, it seems like. And, uh, yeah, it said some of it was their membership been going down probably somewhat because of people feeling excluded and things like that. And so they thought it was a good move and the right time to help get more people in the program. Go Scouts. Go Scouts. Uh, another notable mention that we just had to throw in here. Lauren's getting really excited. <laughs> uh, so this art, the title of this other article that we just had to throw in, this actually got into the, the national news is uh, Claw Enforcement, Kitty Joins Police Department in Michigan. Uh, So in Troy, Michigan, the Troy Police Department um, has officially sworn in uh, Pofficer Donut. uh, Okay, you guys. Pofficer Donut was sworn in. I wasn't on board until I read the name. Pofficer Donut was sworn in by two, like, real judges. They, like, had them spend their time doing this by two judges on Friday as part of the Troy Police Feline Unit. Um, so apart from potentially keeping uh, the rodent population in and around their offices in check, uh, Donut will also serve as a community racial relations cat and to promote the adoption of shelter animals in the area. How about that justice system, am I right? <laughs> this is, yeah. So normally these 
annoy me. <laughs> like when was it the Bath Police Department that did the Popo SUV recently? I don't know. It's that was another I feel like I know what you're national talking about, news but story. But I think especially because, you know, a lot of places, police departments, fire departments use animals as therapy pets too, you know, if you're like a small child and you're scared, like making sure that you have like a like the police have teddy bears and stuff to hand out or like a cat that you can pet. Like is a nice is a nice thing and also Officer Donut, <laughs> you guys. And what do you oh. got there, Amy? Oh, that's got a something good cat. Up on her phone. I got a picture. Oh, you good got a picture? Cat. That's a good cat. Yeah. The cat is like about as big as the badge, and it's really cute. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just a great little, little heartwarming story. Um, Cracking down on the catnip that's been rolling around <laughs> the streets. <laughs> yes, in your cartoon version of the world. Yes. That's, what's ha- that's what's happening. The cat is policing other cats. Yes. But yeah. Um, yeah, great episode today. Uh, so for our <laughs> listeners out there, hopefully we haven't broken your trust too much already with <laughs> saying that we were going to have new ones out every Tuesday and then we just had two-week hiatus after only six episodes. And John, you can't <laughs> say you're going to pick me up and then not come and pick me up. Yeah, God. so I hope I hope we can earn your trust back. And Next time we do that, we'll maybe tell you. Yeah. Yeah. We won't do it again. Or like tweet out some embarrassing photos of John. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, remember we won't we won't me. ever show you it's our It's fine faces. if it's embarrassing photos of John. Yeah. yeah. You can do an episode without me. Teach Thank you. Teach somebody how to run the mixing board. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know how to run to the computer, so that's not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, yeah. So you wanna you wanna promote us a little bit, Mariel, and then we can get out of here. Absolutely. So if you are not already subscribed to our podcast. I don't know what you're doing, but you're listening to an episode. So you Clearly can go wasting ahead. wasting your life. Wasting your life. So you can go ahead, whether you are on Google Play or Stitcher um, or iTunes, you should hit the subscribe button. Give us a rating if you like our podcast. Suggest it to your friends. And then you can also follow us on Twitter at Midwest Nice Cast. Um, or you can find us on our website which is midwest-nice.pinecast.co <laughs> yeah midwest-nice.pinecast.co yeah I've gotta i gotta connect a real domain to that and we are now on instagram <laughs> as well so if you search midwest nice podcast you'll be able to find us and see our little logo yeah keep listening keep on rocking in the free world and uh okay dad it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it i am the dad shut of it down <laughs> shut, shut it down, it down. <laughs> all right We will see you next week. Peace. Peace out. Mm